The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Spodcast. My name is Tim Mitchell. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kulin in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there! And surprise, 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 we're joined by Xavier Kulin, also in Mississauga, Ontario. Howdy. In fact, they're in the same regional vicinity. Same well, house. opposite ends of the house. I mean, really, we, we couldn't well, possibly sit in the same yeah, room. I wasn't going to give longitude and latitude because I could be off by like, you know, one one millionth of a decimal. And I'm sure Xavier would take, you know, point at that, right? By, by the way, Xavier, if you're going to fill in for Jaime and no one can really fill his shoes, but if you're going to try, you have to say, how's it going? Oh, how's it going? <laughs> and we're also joined by Xavier Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. How's it going? <laughs> how's it going all right now we can start the show comfortably start the show all righty did i say season four episode 23 no no oh hmm. <laughs> well how did i start the show Welcome to it, hey season four episode hey, those, of you drive, those of you transporting at home it's season four episode 23 anywho um and and yeah so like i'll say like the, the reality is that i'm saying stuff and it's taking you know a millisecond for you to hear it Right, and you're responding to it a millisecond later. Well, it's taking millionths of a second for it to actually go from my my mouth and my vocal cords to the microphone, and then transmitted along those wires into my computer, and then written to my hard drive too. But you know, that doesn't matter. <laughs> you realize I'm holding my tongue, right? <laughs> All righty. Um, now uh, this isn't the physics podcast. It's the uh, more than just code. Or no, it's not more than just code. <laughs> <laughs> no, please don't. Don't. How did I end up here? <laughs> Right. This is like that dream that I've woken up in my underpants at school. Well, I have a feeling we might get into some physics and some some metaphysical <laughs> physics and yeah stuff like that. And well, especially considering one of the talking points of the show today. Yep. That said, alrighty. So let's start off with some fact check. Woo! I didn't even review the fact check. What did I say here? Oh, we were doing the Flintstones. Oh theme song. yes, we were doing the Flintstone thing, and the, the 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 line that we both. Oh my God, can't believe I can't believe we forgot this. Is let's ride with the family down the street through the courtesy of Fred's two feet. And then later on in the song, they say the, the, the bridge is, 
someday maybe Fred will win the fight and that cat will stay out for the night. And that's where starts banging on the door, say, yeah. So wasn't outside. Anyway, I've got the link here in the show notes for the lyrics to Flintstones. Meet, Meet the Flintstones. Flintstones. Alrighty, and uh, Jonathan Groff plays Agent Smith. Or actually, you know, I should correct that. Now, I mentioned to Jonathan before we started recording that I, I did see the Matrix Resurrections last night. Uh, and I'm just going to say that Jonathan Groff plays Smith. But not necessarily Agent Smith? He, well... Ooh! Let's not get spoilery here. <laughs> <laughs> well... What, what if it's Kevin yeah. Smith? Okay, okay. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about The Matrix a little bit later. Maybe, maybe. And, and I'm going to try and be as unspoilerific as I can. But you know, anyway. we're going to see you in two days, so yeah, I'll tread lightly. Yeah, that's true. It could be black and blue by Boxing Day. That's right. Alrighty, Jonathan has some uh, some fact check for us. Yeah, just a couple of quick things. We talked about uh, last episode how much in the last few episodes actually we talked about how much we love the costume design for Discoveries. Uh, wait, so. uh, that's that's two votes against one. Oh, you didn't like the new costumes? Well, I mean, they both talked about how much make, we liked make your the point, costumes. Make your point, and then I'll then I'll fill you in on on my feedback. Okay, we uh, some of us on this podcast talked about how much we liked the new costume design for this season of Star Trek Discovery, and we had talked about who was the costume designer. It's Gersha Phillips, is her name, and uh, I wanted to give her a shout out because I think that the costume design has been amazing this year. I think I really like the new uh, the new costume design, and then just everybody's everything, the way the book looks, the way that all of the different characters have looked the costumes have been amazing so so but Tim disagrees. you're gonna see your mother my partner in two days as well right uh-huh uh, anyway so um yeah the the thing i my f- immediate feedback on on the costumes is it looks like they skipped a button when they were buttoning them up because the hems are not even and so just to prove a point i showed the i showed a picture of saru and Captain Burnham walking down the hallway. If you remember on the show in this mm-hmm. episode, there's a scene where they're walking together. And so I got a really good shot of their entire tunic, as it were, and how the, the hems don't line up. And Carol was like, yeah, no, that looks dumb. And Carol has been doing costume design for, mm, I'm going to say, years? a million years. Longer than Star Trek has been around. Let's put it that way. All oh, right. That's an exaggeration. Long time. Well, it's true. Well, yeah, she's been sewing about that long. Yeah, fair. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Anyway, because her great Anne Helen would have taught her how to sew back then. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it it just it just looks odd. And Carol, like her feedback to me before I told her the thing about the buttons being skipped was that it just looks like it was a change for the sake of making a change, not for any practical reason. So, yeah. Eh, and what does she know? What does she know exactly? Yeah, I'll tell her you said that. <laughs> um. No more boxer shorts for Jonathan. It's going to say, can you wait till after Christmas? You know what? You know what? I've got the perfect revenge. Your next set of boxing shorts are going to have uneven hems. Uneven hems. Yeah, that's that's great. That's great. (laughs) You're welcome. You can thank uh, Gersha Phillips for that. Nice. Nice. So you have another piece of feedback for us? Yeah, I was uh, talking about, we were talking about Berserker, uh, minus the, uh, the vowels, the new... Uh, ish Keanu Reeves, uh, Keanu, yeah, Keanu Reeves comic book, and I had said there was something like a million different covers. It was a bit of an exaggeration, but it wasn't too much yeah. of an exaggeration. There's 58 different covers to number one. 58. 
Wow. So for you completists out there, you need to have all 58 covers, some of which are like the one in 1,000th variant. I was going to say, like, like how, do you, how do you collect them and, and which one is the most valuable one now? And Yeah, I mean, really, it's, it's you know, a matter of obscurity, right? The harder, the less they made of them, the more valuable it is. And some of them were exclusive to specific vendors. Some of them were uh, sort of raw art as opposed to having the title dress on them and stuff like that. So you, if you can find the the rarest of the rare ones and the, the the most variant of variants then you have a real treasure on your hands however if you're also a completist which a lot of comic fans can be uh i am not one of them thankfully uh yeah not anymore <laughs> well i i have never had a lot of patience for the variant cover thing the contents of the book is identical once you turn off the cover you get what you get. It's always the same thing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. for me, yeah, of course, there's sometimes I'd love to have, you know, there's definitely so many talented artists out there making beautiful covers. And sometimes you will find some variant that has a really beautiful aesthetic and you want to own it. But the idea of buying 58 copies of the same book just because they have different covers to me is a little, uh, it's, it's a little nuts, especially yeah. when we're talking at like, you know, five bucks a book. That's, that's not nothing. True. I do remember seeing some odd Spider-Man covers back in the day, too, in your collection. You know, oh, oh, yeah. No, for I, sure. And, and I mean, it even goes beyond that. Some people insist upon having the, the Canadian cover price variant and the American cover price variant and the newsstand versions for back when they used to sell them on newsstands versus the comic shop variants. And some people take their collecting very, very seriously. So you almost need to have multiple copies of every book that's been published, you know, 1970s on. It's it's kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was going to say the comment, my comment about the million covers was, was that, you know, we, we have a metaphysical physics specialist on the show tonight who might take conference with, you know, the difference between a million and 58. <laughs> Just putting it out there. Is that true, son? I mean, I think, I think all of us agree that the people who use the word literally when they don't mean literally is, is quite, quite frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I think I think um, Rick uh, Jonathan's friend Rick says it the best. I think it's and I'm going to misquote him, so you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But um, he says I could figure figuratively kill people who say literally wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that if I said that right. Anyway. That's that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, we'll have to go back to the Facebook and see where you posted that. Anyway, so, yeah, and just a last little thing on the fact check. I'm putting on the fact check here because normally this would get signed over to Mike, but Mike's been, you know, busy. Um, we can now get rated by you folks on the Spotify app. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes here, and I'll probably add it somehow to the to the notes on a regular basis. But, yeah, because you can, you can rate us on Spotify, so please do. Um, there was an issue with our Spotify stats. They weren't showing up. We, we were hosted on Anchor, which is uh, was acquired by Spotify sometime last summer. So we should automatically get, you know, the, the love or whatever. Uh, but they weren't showing our uh, our stats correctly. And I reached out to tech support. And lo and behold, now I can see how we're doing on Spotify, which is, which is actually surprisingly better than I thought. Um, but yeah, definitely, if you are listening to us on the Spotify app, or even if you just want to go over there and just give us a rating uh, over there, that would be great. Would help people find the Spotcast podcast and all that stuff. Alrighty, and uh, we're gonna dive into the headlines. Jonathan, you're up first. Yeah, well, I thought I'd start with some Star Trek tonight because it's a Jonathan show. Let's sit back and enjoy. All right, yes, put up your feet, kids. It's gonna be a long night. So, Star Trek Discovery. We are about to talk about episode six of season four in this episode. 
But episode seven is going to mark a bit of an ending because episode seven, which is coming out on December the 30th, is going to be the last episode before the show goes on hiatus again. So we know that they've done this before. They did it in the first season. And so there is a precedent for this. And then they have also obviously done this with Star Trek Prodigy because Prodigy went on hiatus as soon as Discovery started. Now Discovery is about to go on hiatus so that Prodigy can come back. And then when Prodigy finishes... Then we'll get Discovery back. So all that adds up to is that the seventh episode of season four will come on Thursday, December 30th on a streaming platform and or television channel near you. And yeah, yeah, wherever you find your fine Star Trek programming. And then you will have to wait about a month and a half until February 10th for that season to continue. So good chance we're going to end off on some dump 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 kind of moment next week so that we have a little bit of of stuff to chew on over the holidays and while it's on hiatus then uh starting on january the 6th we will get the second half of the first season of star trek prodigy back on tv and then once discovery ends we're actually going to get season two of picard so trek 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 and trek so the bottom line is we're not going to have any overlapping trek but we'll have trek until Whatever. Season four of Spotcast is going to go on for months, right? Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned, kids. You're going to be watching uh, lots of Trek yeah. and listening to uh, three random chuckleheads talk about it if you tune into us. Yeah. The long se- the season is going to be longer than the year. And of course, <laughs> rating, rating all of those episodes five stars on Spotify. That's right. Yeah, we need we need the coverage. Oh, <laughs> and Apple. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Music with or Apple, Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast app. Yeah. And if you got the time, Google Podcast app as well, too. Five stars, please. Alrighty. Are you two done shilling our stuff? Can we can we? Yeah. <laughs> go to spotcast.com. Oh, we have t-shirts too. If you want to go to t- Teespring, you can get t-shirts as well. <laughs> and like the and stickers. And we, and we have stickers. Yeah. And we have holographic stickers. Yeah. Come get your Spotcast merch, kids. It's what everybody's getting for Christmas. Y'all need my swag. <laughs> All right, next up, uh, just get a little update on Spider-Man No Way Home, which, as far as I know, Tim, none of us have seen yet. yet. No, okay, no. all right, none of us have seen yet. So it did kind of kick butt. So I did check, I won't say that much. Yeah, uh, it did kind of kick butt at the theaters. Uh, in spite of the rising rates of COVID around uh, the world, the, the Omicron variant, it did manage a massive opening weekend of $253 million, uh, which is huge by standards of the pandemic you know compared to older numbers obviously it's not quite as impressive but for the pandemic that's a monster debut and beyond that it also has a 99 percent audience score on rotten tomatoes and uh yeah every review that i've seen and i haven't really engaged with them so much as just sort of glanced to see how it's being reviewed have been glowing so seems like a smash seems like it's uh, very popular and seems like it's raking in the box which all adds up to uh an absolute smashing and dashing of my hopes that we might actually get it a little early for those of us that aren't as um, crazy about going back to a theater right now. It is not coming. They're not going to pull the plug on it out of the theaters because people are still going. We've been checking in just like you, Tim. We've been checking in this week to sort of see what the audiences have been like 
for different showtimes thinking, well, maybe there's an opportunity that we'll get lucky like we did with Shang-Chi, where there's not very many people in the theater. But it's been crazy. Like every every showing in this uh, in our local theater, which is actually a pretty sizable theater, they're playing, you know, dozens of screenings a day in different formats. And it's still packed, which is just a smidge outside my comfort zone. But uh, yeah, yeah, it looks like it's been kicked off of IMAX at the, the theater near me. Like it was it was I think uh, the Matrix. We'll replace the Matrix, right? Yeah, that's yeah. tricky. Still watch it in in Ultra AVX and 3D. 3D. I didn't realize we were watching 3D movies. I thought that was, I guess, with COVID that we thought that wearing glasses would be a tricky thing, right? Yeah, I thought that was really strange because we've seen a handful of movies this fall, none of which have been 3D IMAX. It doesn't seem like 3D IMAX has been a thing, but yeah, I noticed the same thing that it's showing in 3D, which I would imagine some of the scenes that I've seen in the trailer for Spider-Man would be particularly good, like some of the the Doctor yeah, Strange right. magical effects and. Then... Well, like I told you, I saw a full full screen, like full IMAX screen pre like trailer of that show last week when I went to a movie. What did I go see? Oh, Matrix, the original Matrix, right? Yeah. Uh, I just I wanted to look this up because um, I was I looked at you know you mentioned No Way Home had a particular critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I wanted to look up what that was relative to other movies, and I found uh, Rotten Tomatoes basically has a post about, like, all the MCU movies ranked by Tomato Meat or whatever. Oh, it's rated from worst to best. I know. That surprised me, honestly. Uh, <laughs> Eternals at, uh, is 47, <sighs> whatever it splats, whatever that is. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's yeah. certified rotten. Is it splats? Yep. Oh, like squished tomatoes? Is that the idea? Yeah, if you score below 50% or 60%, I can't remember what the number is. But yeah, if you score below a certain point, you get, uh, oh, you get the Thor Dark World, they don't really don't like that one. And they don't like the uh, Ed, uh, Edward Norton Incredible Hulk. I have to agree. Ultraman 2, I'm surprised by that one. Ultraman 2 had that, that um, what's his name in it? Uh, who was the bad guy in that one? Sorry, which one? Was that the one? Uh, uh, Iron Man 2? Iron Man 2? That was uh, Whiplash. And what was his name? Who's the actor? Oh, uh, Nick oh. Nolte? No, the guy from uh, Nine and a Half Weeks. Um, oh. Duke Ellington? I thought the, the Nick Nolte <laughs> one, I didn't like that one. Is that Iron Man 3? Nick Nolte? Nick Nolte? It's not been in a Marvel movie to my knowledge. Well, who's the who's the, the, the antagonist and an older dude, an older actor? Pretty famous. Oh, don't make me open that. Robert Redford movie. was in Captain America. No, no, no. Uh, the name I was looking for was Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. That's who I'm thinking of. Yes, Mickey Rourke was in... He's Whiplash he, in Iron Man 2. And he makes his own robot-y thing or whatever? Yeah, he makes like this the, the giant sort of robot centurions that attack uh, no, Iron no, Man no, and War right. Machine. No. Oh, you're thinking of uh, you're thinking of the dude. The dude was uh, Obadiah Stane oh, in the dude? first one. It no was the way. dude, yeah. Oh, I hated that movie. That's that's not number three. No, that's the first one. That's the original Iron Man. The movie's amazing. Are you kidding? I don't know which one I'm talking about. Then I didn't. I just I I know I didn't like two and three as much as I liked one. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Bridges yeah. is the is the bad guy in the first one. He wears, wow, they he have wears Black the Widow in, in position twenty. Yes. Really? Wow. Really? So we can actually like talk talk about this, or am I just gonna? <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point. It's, it's a podcast, Avery. We talk about things on podcasts. <laughs> you think we just this all we research all this stuff and and talk know. about it like you know? No way, man. So, like so the list you found for us, Xavier. This is a list based on critic reviews, not uh, not people reviews. Yes, right? and uh, yeah. So again, like so, I has the list right here. Iron Man. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and Avengers Endgame all tied critically at 94%. Uh, 
and number one is at 96% Black Panther. I mean, again, I don't know if I agree with the critics or not, but I mean... You're allowed to disagree with the critics. Like Thor, Thor Ragnarok's 93%, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings 91%, which, okay, well, that doesn't make sense because Spider-Man Homecoming, Guardians of the Galaxy are also at 92% are somehow rated below it. Okay, this can't be right. Something's in the wrong order here. Like, scroll, number number six is actually 91%, but nine, number seven and eight are at 92%. That doesn't make sense. You seeing this? Me? Uh, yes, I am seeing that. You're right. Maybe it, maybe it dropped. That's weird. Yeah, I don't know. no, you're right. Who posted this thing? This is insane. I, no, it, yeah, it maybe it, maybe it's a dynamic rating, like it's coming from the actual site or whatever. And it's when was this written? This is probably written pretty written pretty soon. Well, it looks like it's right? automatically updated. It looks like an editorial. That's what I mean. Like if piece. it's dynamic, then then yeah. they haven't dynamically sorted the the yeah. rating. Yeah. Mathematically correctly, whoever recorded this page, holy cow. Go back to Java school. Well, it looks like the bottom line is that No Way Home is among the highest rated, critically loved Marvel movies right up there with Endgame and Iron Man, which is a huge praise. Yeah. Why don't they rate them by... um, So the the tomato is the the, uh, critics and the splat is the people? No, no, no. The splat is also the critics. In this case, they're not showing us the, the, the people score. They're just showing us the critic score. So I wonder if there's a somewhere on here that's got the people score that's what i was trying to figure out is is this the critics or i think this is the critics that was my impression but marvel hmm. how did you stumble across this i just i literally i was like hey well because again you mentioned it was doing well on Rotten tomatoes i was like hey i wonder if there's a ranking of all the mcu movies like who would like mcu movies ranked uh, on Rotten tomatoes and this is the first one that came up huh so all right well, you're hired kid you got a long future here yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. What was that? Uh, right. I, you got to do the J. Jonah Jameson from Spider-Man now. Now that I've seen that now, I got to like... Oh, that's right. Yeah, that Xavier's trying to catch up now. He's, he started watching the Tobey Maguire uh, Spider-Man movies in preparation for seeing uh, No Way Home. Yeah. I'll pay you $100, kid. Now get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Two more on. things before we uh, wrap up our headlines. So, quick one. Uh, Michael Keaton, who we know is going to be in the Flash movie uh that is going to bring together characters from the past their their own sort of dc universe multiverse story we know he's going to reprise his role as the 1989 version of batman uh although the older version he is also signed on now to appear in the upcoming batgirl theatrical movie not to be confused with batwoman the tv show this is batgirl the uh barbara gordon i believe take on the character they're making a movie mm-hmm. for that and he's going to be also in that i guess as a older uh bat mentor too to Batgirl. Interesting to hear. Elizabeth Chief Gordon's or Commissioner Gordon's daughter. Daughter, that's right. Yep. So, yeah, it's a little more Michael Keaton, which I think is a great thing. I think he's a fantastic actor, and I think he's, uh, it's fun to see him back in black. Did you say iconically played by Von Craig by any chance? I did not say iconically played by Von Craig. Okay, I just just wanted to put that out there. (laughs) All right. In case you hadn't. What, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, yes. Yvonne Craig, man. Yeah. I, it, I, how many people was she the first crush for? It's her, her Ginger or Marianne, right? Julie, Julie, Julie Newmar. Julie Newmar, yeah. <laughs> Xavier's now wondering what the hell we're talking about and thinking, wow, know. you guys are old. I don't know. Oh, I got some real time follow <laughs> yeah. for you. Angela Cartwright. You can throw that up there, too. <laughs> Tomato, Tomato Meter is critics. So, because I looked yeah. it up, and Eternals is rated at 47% on the, the ranking there, and that is the critical rating not the audience score so that is what the critics thought not what the audience thought right just just to confirm thanks you're welcome thanks 
That's what I'm here for. <laughs> no, actually, what Jonathan's here for. <laughs> yes, yeah, Apple didn't fall far from the tree, folks. <laughs> Some All might right. say we're a bit of a pedantic family, but I don't see it. All right. And uh, in the comics corner. In the comics corner. Yeah, this was interesting. So uh, the company Dark Horse Comics, which uh, publishes lots of books that you've heard of that you probably didn't know were Dark Horse Comics, like uh, Sin City and The Goon. And for a long time, published Star Wars comics and Buffy and, you know, Hellboy and all kinds of stuff has been sold. Uh, they have been sold to what? Embracer Group, which is a um, so is, it says that that Dark Horse Comics is the third largest publisher in the U.S., according to this article from IGN.com. And they've been acquired by Embracer Group. Embracer is a video game company. So... Interesting that mm. this is this has happened. I wasn't aware that uh, this was something that was pending. It just sort of dropped into my uh, news feed this week, and I thought, oh, that's that's kind of a bizarre move. But as they say in here, Dark Horse owns uh, over three hundred intellectual properties, so there's lots of stuff for them to mine in there that could be potentially good content for a video game producer. And maybe there's like a synergy opportunity there, but I'm I'm not sure what the what the long game is there. I'm not sure what the rationale is for for a video game company owning a comic book company. Yeah, but it could also be like the movie rights and stuff like that too. Like like Frank Miller, obviously, he's like 300 and Sin City and yeah. But you know that's a big name. I'm also not sure. So I know. So the one of the benefits of working away from the big two, which is Marvel and DC is that in a lot of circumstances, there are better intellectual property rights for creators. That is to say, if you work for a smaller publishing company, you're more likely to, to own a larger percentage of the IP you create. In some cases, you own it wholesale, and they just take a percentage of the of the sales. Uh, so Image Comics, is that's the foundation of Image Comics. I'm not sure what Dark Horse's uh, IP relationship is to its creators, so I don't know how much they are able to sort of have tied into this kind of sale. I think I'd be really curious to know that, but it does say in here that there are currently more than 40 projects ongoing with Netflix, Amazon, Sci-Fi, Sony, MGM, Universal, Warner, blah, 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 blah. So there's a lot of stuff coming down the, the pipeline. And as you, you know, as you pointed out to him, like, you know, Sin City is a well-known product. Hellboy is a well-known product. There are lots of books that, that, you know, come from Dark Horse that people know. It's just a matter of whether or not they can continue to license those out or do that through this acquisition. Mm -hmm. yep. And that's it for the headlines. Yeah, without that Jaime Lopez guy just gabbing away all the time, we got to the, the main part of the show really quickly this this week. I'm sorry, I sh should I be gabbing and gabbing? No, more? no, no, no. You obviously don't listen to the show um, <laughs> much. Or lately, You're doing lately, an excellent Jaime impersonation, later. actually. Yeah, so, exactly. Sitting there being quiet. Um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and they're just coming in off the top ropes, like some sort of like 1980s wrestler, too. He just he just comes out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, you, you know... High flying act. He's great. Tommy? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, there was one thing I was going to say before we dive into this thing here. I forgot what it is now. It'll come back to me. Okay. All right. Got... Oh, I know what it is. Yeah, no, no. The Spockies. Spockies. Everybody. The oh, Spockies I put, I put are coming that in up. The, uh, in the thing at the end. What, what did you? you want to put it in the headlines, or you want to do it at the end? Uh, 
I put it at the Let's, end of the well, uh, yeah. Uh, well, list. let me just say this about the Spockies. We're waiting till Jaime comes back next week to reveal the Spockies. We've we've gotten a, a number of people who have entered their uh, their picks, so um, you've got another week at least to get, uh, or you know, from the time you listen to the show till the end of the week to get middle of the week, I guess, to get your picks in for the top, you know, movies of mm. uh, movies and stop yelling, <laughs> movies and. Uh, <laughs> Thank God you're on your own track. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> but, I'm uh, tired. I've been working like nine hours today on my feet all night. Well, don't worry. You can have a nap when Jonathan talks about Star Trek. I will. In ten minutes. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, yeah. So what was I saying? Oh yeah. So top uh, top movies, top TV shows. You know, we we asked some questions about the uh, streaming services and and how you've been consuming movies over the last two years. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so yeah, get your votes in, get your picks in, and uh, join us next week for the reveal. Now, this, in the meantime, this, hang on, this is where I want to throw it over to Xavier quickly because I know Xavier's cast his ballot, and you did have some criticisms. So why don't you let us know what you think of the Spockies so far? Well, number one, there's too many options. Uh, number two, there's not yes. enough options. There was too many best movies, best TV shows, all the big categories. There's, like, way too much stuff to pick from there. But best actor and best actress is, like, way less by comparison. Like, I don't get it. Like, So uh, would you have uh, us pick, like, the the top person from each one of those things and put them in there? I, I would just say go one way or the other. I mean, you've given me, like, let's see, like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven choices for best actor, but, like, what, yeah, 15, eight or 17 10, yeah. choices for best new TV show? Best new TV show? There's, like... 25 for best TV show. I defy you to look at those lists and tell me who from the things that aren't on there are worthy of an award. I will say yeah. there was a little editorializing as I was making the lists because yeah. I looked at a few of them. I'm like, I'm not putting that person on there. No way. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and uh, I did look at it. I, I did con- consider that it was, I mean, don't forget, I had to enter this into a form. I'm going to teach Jonathan how to do this next year, but the, um, the, uh, it's not that hard, but, um, for me, yeah, I found I found it was way too long. But but just to give you an example, Xavier, like I I did at the end, I t- I added in the questions about you know how how have you been consuming movies? I just just for curiosity's sake, and then and then you know I put you know streaming services, right? Well, and you know collect them all as our our running joke. So I've got al- an, you know, alphabetical order. I've got them: Apple TV, cable, Crave, Discovery Plus, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, HBO Max, Hulu, Netflix, Paramount Plus, Peacock, and Prime Video. Amazon Prime Video. And the thing is, like, I didn't have to put Discovery in, and I didn't have to put ESPN because I thought I'm never going to pay for those, or I'm never going to watch those, right? And sure enough, we got votes for those. So, I mean, I, I guess more my my thing is just like for, again, like Best Doctor, you're giving us seven options, like relative to mm. the amount. And again, like some of them, I'm like I not necessarily would have voted for, but like ones I might have considered. You know, they weren't there. Yeah. Like Invincible, like J, uh, J.K. Simmons was great in Invincible. For voice acting, yeah. Okay, but that's like so fine. So then we should have one for best yeah, we could voice, have voice acting, acting right? Question, like, section two. I mean, yeah, there's a good I, I number said, of them that were voice acting shows, like yeah. animated shows. I said afterwards that yeah, maybe in the best animated series might have been a good category. We can always consider that for for future consideration. And so we and we've also been very inclusive on this show in the last little while. If you if you watched any of our last two seasons, clearly of of Star Trek Discovery has forced our hand at that. But the um. We got to the best actor and best actress part, and I said to Jonathan, "Where do we put De- Blue Del Barrio, and where do we put the the other big kid that plays Gray?" You know, yeah, like, Ian, yeah. 
You know, like you know, they take their own category now, or what's the story? You know. Well, and then we get back into the murky waters that so many award shows are coming to, which is: Do you get rid of gender pronouns as far as the categories? Do you put them all in one big group? Which then is how is is it just simply best performance in a film, best performance in a TV program, and the list gets longer? The problem is, is that that opens a huge kettle of fish because if you suddenly have nothing but you know, male Caucasian winners in all these categories, people are going to lose their marbles justifiably. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But we do, we do have a, we do have a non-white list person on this list. I, One. No, um, there should be multiple. I mean, I know for the, for the actress category in particular, there was a really strong, strong group of, uh, you know, diversity in there. I mean, Gemma Chan and, um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I was looking, I was looking at the, at the white male actors oh, yeah. list, but, but I realized there's two on there. Yep. It's not. It's not bad. That's only what. So what's two? Two out of seven, Javier? Like going is fifteen percent. Yeah, something like that. It's, it's just oh, important. come on, yeah. Detmer, you got the math here. Come on. It's twenty-eight point five seven one four two eight six percent. Well, I guess it's better. For those than, of you transporting than, home. Uh, most of the <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, and so I, I asked one of my friends who's a who's a science fiction writer to um, hi John. <laughs> he doesn't have to listen to the show, so I won't worry about it. But um, to to pick, like he said, the best TV show was the hardest one to pick, mm. right? Like, because like, where do you go? I mean, uh, uh, Modoc's not going to get my vote because I don't even know what that is, right? But you know, Sweet Tooth, I haven't sat, I got a chance to watch it yet, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just too much time. And I, I, you know, started watching Wheel of Time, and it, and I got bored within five minutes and stopped watching it. Yeah, I haven't gone past the first episode. It's, oh, we didn't put Witcher on here. You know, I wasn't sure about that. Somebody flagged that to me, but I don't think Witcher actually premiered this year. I think it was actually last year. Oh, that's the rule? Okay. Yeah, because I think, uh, well, I mean, for a new series, it has to be debut this year, but I think it has to have had new episodes this year in order to qualify no, for Best okay. Show, right? I mean, some people may yeah, have discovered okay. it this year. I, again, I'm I'm just watching a Luke Cage series on Netflix that came out like four years ago. That yeah. doesn't mean it's qualified for an award just because I'm the one watching it now, right? Yeah, the best TV show one. I scroll. You have to scroll twice on the screen to get the whole list in there. <laughs> yeah, and but you know, again, it's a it's a really tough competitive category, and again, it, it speaks to it too. Like if you look at that compared to the movie listings that we've made up of of best movies that fit our genre, there wasn't a lot of movies really because movies didn't even come back into the theaters until what, like May, and really for us, we didn't get back to a theater until autumn almost. So. There wasn't a lot of movies to make up a massive list there, whereas in the in years past, I mean, again, if you look at that list of movies that are scheduled for 2022, the most anticipated movie category, that's usually the number of movies that we have to look forward to, which is a good 20 or so movies to pick from. Sure. Yeah, and, and well, even like the, the uh, I, I made a best track TV show thing, because I, I thought I could make the TV show shorter by taking track out of that equation, because this is a track podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and once I did that, then I thought, well, should I take the Star Wars stuff out? And then, like, it's like, then maybe the best show that starts with the letter S? I don't know. But, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but uh, but then nobody would vote for Su- Superman and Lois. That would be totally not fair. Well, but, I mean, um, some of these are tricky. You know, even, yeah. even on, the, on the high end of that scale, you know, if you're you know, following the Disney Plus stuff or even the stuff that we talk about, you know, again, Hawkeye versus Loki versus versus one division you know these are some tough tough choices you have to make and yeah picking one it's it's not meant to be easy it's meant to be really making you think about what you want to put your ballot on so next week when we when we actually reconvene to talk about this i think we can all sort of share our thoughts and our votes but uh 
Yeah. Also, someone in this house wouldn't share his ideas with me. You know, I don't want to spoil it. Well, and of course, because I have access to the poll, I actually can see I can see the answers that are coming in, and and I'm actually I'm surprised by some of them, but not surprised by some of them. But you know, and of course, you know, the ones where they didn't vote what I voted for are completely wrong. <laughs> so it's, that's fine. But well, now you sound like you a cooler. I don't know what to tell you. It's it's like I always say: everyone is entitled to their own opinion, however wrong it may be. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's <laughs> entitled to my opinion. Too. Of course. Um, all right. Anyway, that's what Madonna says. Oh, okay. Well, says. One last thing. You spelled Cowboy Bebop wrong. It's it's not Bebop, it's Bebop. And be I up. didn't spell it. I That was copy and paste, okay. so I copied and pasted right, what well, your father, that. the writer, professional writer, <laughs> well, put in it's, there. It's Bebop, not Bebop. And on the on the poll, it was spelled right correctly once. It's already been fixed. The other time, <laughs> just, I, as, as the only other anime fan on this podcast... Because Jaime is not here. What? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Do you, okay, you don't watch anime, do you? No. Me? No. I used, I used to watch cartoons when I was a kid, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, but we're talking about modern anime. Yeah, like... I, no, I know. I know what you're talking about. Exactly. I, I feel like I gotta stick up, even though that wasn't actually anime, because it's the new one. But, but, but it, it was correct. Somebody pointed. Somebody already pointed that out earlier in the week, and you probably got to the, the form before I uh, corrected it. All right. One word. But I didn't read, I didn't read everything detail of it and actually i had it proofread by somebody else who's on the show who shall remain nameless but who didn't catch his own typo epic fail <laughs> who knows anyway. kids these days jesus i know eh? are you saying that your father's flawed welcome <laughs> to the adulthood <laughs> everybody's flawed exactly and on that note, let's talk about Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, I was going to say Jonathan would just be crying in the corner for five minutes. Anyway. <laughs> no, I'm just going to quickly do what parents do. I'm going to divert and move on. Yeah, so this is the Star Trek Discovery uh, section of the show where we talk about that thing, which is called Star Trek Discovery. Uh, what's the name of the What's the episode of the show called? Ooh, that's a good one. I didn't even look it up. Star... The Black Hole. Uh, the, the Construct. Is it called Star Trek Discovery The Construct? My, my Matrix tie-in. Do you get it? Stormy weather? Stormy weather. Stormy weather. Of course it is. It's always named after some bad... Didn't they do that last... What was the one they did a couple of years ago where they were singing some song and, and some Blue Eyes, right? Well, that was the end of Picard, right? Did they... Wasn't that called Blue Eyes or something, the episode? Mm, it, no, it wasn't. It was like an Arcadia Ego or something like that. It was, it was the whatever... I can't remember, but... You know what I mean? Like they were they were playing that that yeah. song yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Or it's like what's it? What's the, the what they do? With the the one I didn't like is uh, in um, Battlestar Galactica when they all started singing uh, all along the Watchtower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Hey, Xavier yeah. hasn't seen that, so don't spoil it. Oh, sorry. It's on my list. <laughs> I mean, statute of limitations here. Are all right. Well, he's eighteen. In fairness, he was in like an, in diapers when the first uh, episodes came out. So I guess. I, I mean, I guess. to be fair, I was in like kindergarten when Firefly came out. <laughs> well, and you made yeah. your way to that, but then you've only had to wait through a whopping what thir- thirteen episodes in a movie. So uh, yeah. And I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, Tammy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Firefly. Oh, Firefly was <laughs> awesome. I loved it. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, it's funny because, you know, Tammy, like, once she started watching it, she couldn't stop. You yeah. know, it was like a bag of potato chips. Because it's good. It's really good. Like, the characters are very likable. And some of them are very not likable in exactly the right ways. And, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it, Firefly is so good that I have watched every show that Nathan Philliam has done since then. Have you watched Big Mouth? 
Not yet. Oh, yeah. oh. He's actually he's a really good character on Big Mouth. He plays right, he plays okay. a version of himself that is spectacular. Yeah, all right. All right. Th this all has nothing to do with Star Trek, by the way. Nope. Or does it? Yeah, or we'll see. It does. All right. So back to the back to the real reason we're here. Jonathan, take it away. All right. I'll give you the the facts and nothing but the facts. So we pick up the episode leaving off with the uh, leading off with the crew of Discovery getting ready to uh, investigate this space anomaly, uh, this subspace rift left by the DMA. So Burnham is is making her her family tree based on the family tree that we saw in last week's episode, and and then they is there uh, like a discount on Ancestry.ca this week? Apparently, yeah. Apparently, it just caught on there at uh, you know five dollars a month, and you can. Subscribe subscribe so they're going to go check out this subspace rift left behind by the dma book is still sort of fighting passive aggressively with burnham about you know he wants to go check in with the courier network that they worked with when she first came to the future and see if they have any leads but uh they don't so they give you the ground rules of this episode right off the hop. You're not allowed to use the spore drive. You can't jump in. Uh, there's going to be Adira is uh, going to be on the bridge. Uh, and there's going to be, you know, this this inside this thing, they they lay out the expectations. Well, the Enterprise saw this when they went inside a subspace anomaly. And this is what the Voyager saw inside a subspace anomaly. And when they go inside the anomaly, there's nothing. It's pitch black. They can't find anything, nothing happens, and just into the nothing. And so they launch one of the dots, one of the little robots. The dot goes out there and screams as it is disintegrated in a somewhat unsettling scene. They figure out that the, the subspace pocket that they're in has actually sort of been contaminated. It's essentially a, a tar pit, and they're stuck in it, and it is slowly condensing downwards and towards them and they can't find the way out so here we have our premise for the the whole episode how the hell do they get out of this little pocket of nothing when they can't find so they're the door. in the trash compactor in other words right pretty much pretty much right. but no r2 and c3po to open the door for them right so we come back after the opening credits and they decide, okay, well, let's let's try something different. We won't launch a dot. We'll launch a flare. So they launch this flare out there to see if they can match the speed that the dot was going and figure out, you know, how long it takes for it to get there. And Detmer, who we did not know till now, is like apparently a math prodigy, turns around and says, well, if this took, you know, this point number of point seconds to get there, and then this took this this many point seconds to get there, then the difference is this, and therefore it means that it's shrinking at a rate of this, and therefore will have come in contact with the ship and kill us all in 31 minutes, which I thought was pretty impressive. 33 minutes. It was 33 minutes. 33 minutes. There you go. But she is an augmented human, don't forget, right? She is, although I still am not clear exactly what the level of her augmentation is, but the, I thought it was pretty impressive anyways. So we cut back down to uh, Gray, who is still getting used to his body, and uh, starts having a conversation with Zora because he's sort of stuck there by himself. Adira has gone to the bridge. Everybody else on ten is... Forward. He's on 10 forward, Yeah, right? he's in the bar. The, the whatever it yeah. is, nine and a half forward. And he is down there and 
he senses that Zora is very anxious, which is very unusual considering Zora is a sentient computer. And so he engages Zora in uh, this game that he and Adira were playing uh, during the opening sequence and is trying to sort of find a way to, to calm down Zora. Um, when, when he says, would you like to play a game? My mind immediately went to war games, which I thought was very funny. Uh, so... We then go back to the the crisis at hand. They realize that, you know, they can't seem to find a way out. They're trying to figure their way out of it. In the end, they say, okay, listen, you know what? It's time to pull out. Burnham pulls the plug and says, you know what? We're not going to find anything here. This is too dangerous. Let's get the hell out of here. And... They try and find their way out. They can't. She says, okay, let's fire up the spore drive. I know we're not supposed to, but let's fire up the spore drive and get out of here. Stamets uh, book volunteers to go into the spore drive because we now know that he can connect with the mycelial network, as we saw last season. And Stamets says, okay, sure. All right. You you have a turn doing this thing. And, of course, it doesn't work out that way because, as they established the rules before we came in, you can't actually do that. He connects to the mycelial network. They try jumping out, doesn't work. He ends up basically getting uh, a feedback from the, the connection to the, the network and shock with electricity. And when he wakes up, he starts having visions of his theoretically deceased father who is sort of bawling him out and actually mentions his real uh, name, which is Tarek. Tarek? Okay. Yeah, I, I wrote it down as it was on the uh, on the subtitles, so Tarek. Um, we go back to Tigray and Zora, and Zora has slowly started calming down and realizes that there is something on the hull, and it's, you know, unfortunately it's a little too late. We got, uh, you know, Dr. Pollard, who we hadn't seen in a while. It was nice to see Dr. Pollard back. Um, we saw Dr. Pollard going down there trying to help with the evacuation. Uh, unfortunately, it was a little too late, and one of the crew members, Cortez, gets sucked out into the nothingness. And, uh, yeah, so the ship is being damaged, but Gray realizes in this moment that once Zora was sort of distracted and, uh, not focusing on, uh, her, it's anxiety. Should we call Zora her? That's a, that's a good question. They do in the show. Mm. They refer to, to Zora as a she, her. As a she? Yeah, I guess. All right. Theoretically, so... it's a sentient being with emotions and. Yeah. Well, she says she's a sentient organism inside of a computer inside of a computer right so i mean weird. is siri a she if i mean i guess well, you can set, you can true, set siri yeah. to be a he you can set zori to what country siri. you're in yeah my siri's an Wait, irish you... man and i quite like that he's really funny <laughs> so we end up with uh this sort of epiphany from gray who is you know uh, a very um uh intuitive person and recognizes that something is, is sort of happening here that Zora has this sort of greater awareness that they can use to their advantage and so he runs up to the bridge why he runs up I don't know again we talked about this even in this episode at the beginning they use the turbo lift again why use the turbo lift if you can teleport everywhere however he dramatically enters the bridge and says you know hey we need to send a signal we'll do this it's going to work let's let's try this uh, we cut back to have another scene between Book and his dad. His dad is this sort of hypercritical person who is sort of speaking for what seems to be Book's subconscious, which is, you know, hey, Burnham doesn't trust you. Burnham's going to always pick your crew over you. You should, you know, you should be hunting down the people who did this, which, again, is all, all the things I think we think are going on inside Book's head. 
back to the bridge. Uh, Owo uh, is realizing there's going to be these major problems in engineering, decides that she wants to go help. Saru basically shuts her down and says, no, you sit down at your at your station and you get your work done. And that'll pay off a little bit later on. Um Burnham and Gray and Zora are trying to figure out, you know, how this thing works. And they figure out that the signal that they're they're tracking, the particles that they're tracking, uh, now that they figure out how uh, Zora can track this stuff, the particles originate from the, gal- the Great Galactic Barrier. Uh, Tim, did your mind immediately go where my mind went on the Great Galactic Barrier? Uh, Barrier Reef? Uh, no. Space, the final frontier? No. Star Trek V, the worst Star Trek movie ever. <laughs> the Great Barrier. That's where Cybok, Spock's right. brother, takes them in Star Trek V to the Great Barrier at the end that basically... To find, in, uh, to find you know who. To find you know who. That's right. So... Uh, yeah, as soon as they mentioned the Galactic Barrier, I was like, oh, no, no, no Cyborg appearances, no. Uh, anyway, the way that it plays out, that's the only reference we get to that. I'm sure that will come back back around. But in the meantime, they decide, OK, yes, we can figure out these particles. We can use basically they say it's kind of like this ancient 20th century technology called sonar. Hey, convenient plot twist. They decide to use it. They basically send out this signal. It bounces off. They actually use a little bit of echolocation and they figure out, okay, this is how we can do this. But unfortunately, they also figure out there's not enough time to get everybody uh, out or get the ship out before everybody would basically be cooked because the shields would come down, the ship will be barbecued, and they'll all get killed. Then they have the great idea, hey, what if we actually just lock people inside the pattern buffer and what I'm going to call henceforth the Scotty Maneuver, which (laughs) uh, we did did see in uh, in Star Trek The Next Generation where they discovered Scotty uh, when he was stranded on a planet. He put himself inside the pattern buffer and was there for, I can't even remember how long, 70 years, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, as they're preparing to do that, Owo goes to Saru and basically says, listen, I'm really sorry. I didn't want to do this. Uh, I didn't didn't want to abandon my post, but I hate the feeling of being helpless. I had to watch one of my friends die when I was younger. And all I really wanted to do was find a way to help. And this is, you know, it just sort of triggered me. And I really wanted to do this. They have a very nice, you know, oh, of course, it's no problem. And then we get Book and his dad again. Book basically figures out, you know, okay, listen, either you're real and you're you're yelling at me. And that means it's a good thing because that means that you're a spirit and a spirit means that the spirits of my other family who I actually like will also be out there and that I really like. Or you're my subconscious and I'm going crazy, but he chooses spirits and then his dad sort of basically disappears out of him. Uh, Book then has sort of got that cleared out of his mind, goes to... um, see Burnham and say, you know, I love you. I'm taking the cat and I'm getting out of here. He goes into the pattern buffer. For some reason, again, Burnham's the last sort of person stuck. She puts on her spacesuit. She's up on the bridge. They're trying to find their way out and uh, they end up turning off the life support. She has, which, which as uh, Xavier and I talked about while watching this, just apparently means the lights. Just turn off the lights. That's the life support. All the beer is going to get too warm. That's it. Just the beer is going to taste awful. Yeah. They can replicate more beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why? Like, why is there even a bar, anyways? Like, what? It's just like, and again, they showed the bar. There was alcohol behind the bar, and yet, <laughs> why? Oh, because synthahol is different than alcohol, right? But where would they have gotten the real alcohol? And why is it just sitting there on the shelf from the Romulans? 
That's yes. All right. Romulan All ale. Right. For visiting Romulans. I just, ah, whatever. Doesn't make sense to me. So Zora is having another existential crisis. Burnham is like, listen, you gotta, you gotta sort of get your, get your stuff together here. Computer just, lady. That reminded me of data with the emotion ship. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and it did actually, in my mind, it sort of led to the, are we inevitably going to see Zora turned into a, a physical form? That, that was where my mind went. Cause it did feel very data esque. The hole is cooking. Burnham is cooking. Everything's going wrong. The shields are down, and um, Zora offers to sing a song to Burnham in order to distract her from the pain and heat she's feeling, and decides to sing the old standard, Stormy Weather, uh, hence the title. And the last thing that Burnham sees is they're sort of, you know, almost on their way out, but she sort of says, you know, hey, Zora, when we get to the other side, you have to let the crew out of the pattern buffers Let's get this good. Burnham closes her eyes. It goes dark. Burnham opens her eyes. She sees Culber. She's fine. She's all good. The whole crew is all safe, with the exception of Mr. Cortez, who went flying off into space. And they're back inside of a uh, Starfleet repair station where they're getting the ship put back together using programmable matter. They then have a nice little sort of ending scene where we see uh, Burnham finishing the family tree that she was working on with all of her extended family in there. And Zora says that she wants to build one for her family. And so she makes this gigantic tree. It's remember, remember kids, it's not the size of the, size of the tree that matters. And builds this gigantic tree that actually has all these branches and all the branches have the different crew members that serve on Discovery. Oh, what a lovely little bow we've Including up Tilly. Including Tilly, yes. Yeah. So that is the end. Uh, all right, gentlemen, questions, thoughts? Oh, yes, I, I do have a note here that I looked up Annabelle Wallace plays Zora. She also played the voice of Zora in Calypso, which again is in the future, which didn't she didn't have a corporeal body. So although you're right, after Picard and... and um, Gray, we could, we certainly could have a corporeal body, right? So, yeah, but interesting. The same, I just had to look up and see if the same, same, same voice actor. There was a different actress who played her as a dancer, like the, yeah. apparently she dances in Calypso. I don't remember that part, but yeah, so then she does have a corporeal body, right? Hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It this seemed like a bit of a I, I, I guess you can't say any episode is sort of a waste of time because. You know, it does advance the whole, you know, book, his anxiety over losing his planet. We get some of that. We get a little bit of, of you know, the relationship between Book and Stamets. We get a little bit more about Grey developing, you know, his own identity outside of being sort of attached to Adira. And so, yeah, there's a little bit of sort of character development, but it, all things being equal, this was kind of a nothing episode. Kind of. Yeah, well, did they learn anything about this this um, anomaly well, thing? They learned that it came from outside of the galaxy. That's kind of important. And that somehow it was from Book's brain? I don't know. Well, yeah, they, cause, because when Book gets zapped, they it leaves a little bit of residue, these particles that they can then use to scan. That's how they end up sort of scanning their, scanning right, their way right. out. But the big sort of ta-da of the whole thing is that they now know that it's not a known entity doing this to them and and i think that was sort of where we were going coming off last week's episode where you know book just wants something to punch and they were sort of going through the list of who who potentially it could be 
now at least we have a sense of it is something we maybe have not seen before. It is something new. It is something different, which is kind of refreshing in that way, too. It's not just going to be, oh, by the way, it's it's some plot by some alien race or villain that we've seen before. It does seem like they're trying to do something else, which is exciting. So here's the question. Did Tarka know it was from outside the galaxy? Well, I suspect if Tarka knows anything, he will gladly tell everyone about it next week because that guy's a massive tool. I mean, again, because he was like, oh, I know more than you. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. I I missed him. Was he in the show this this week? Okay. Hmm. Yeah, that was a bit of a weird... I mean, I I think the the knock-on is supposed to be that he puts these ideas in Book's head last week. This week, the payoff is that Book has this conversation with his spirit dad or subconscious that are bringing up some of the sort of suspicions and concerns that he has about the way Burnham is doing things, the way Starfleet's doing things, and the way that they they are or aren't rushing things. Hmm. But all things being equal, again, not a not a bad episode. There's no such thing as a bad episode, more or less. But it's yeah, it just didn't really move the needle very far. You know, th- that said though, this this episode where they they go into this place where their none of their sensors work, none of their equipment works, they can't see what's going on out there. It's very akin to an early like a, the original series because that's the kind of conundrums that they would get into these these you know, uh, can't get out of it sort of situations. Although they were only meant to be like 40 minutes long and they really didn't have like arcs like that went beyond, you know, they had character arcs, but they didn't have story arcs, right? So it was kind of trekky in that sense in that it was, um, you know, like they're, they're in, it's sort of a Twilight Zone episode, you know, like the, what do you, how do you get out of the situation where you do, you have no sense of where you are? I mean, like, Apparently, I mean, it's rely it, it's, on nineteen eighty or nineteen or twentieth century technology. Sonar. Yeah, so where are the dolphins when they need them? That's right. But the um, the uh, yeah. I mean, so so. I, but like you said, I think you said earlier that it was like a blob of black tar that they kind of entered entered into. I mean, like you know, if you fall into a ball of black tar that's obviously large enough to contain you, how do you know which way is up? or out, or back, right? Yeah. So there isn't really an exit, so I kind of wonder how they managed to actually get out of this situation, right? Yeah. You know, like like when they when they were driving, and, uh, oh, that was the question I was going to ask too, I forgot this one. Um, did Burnham have a seatbelt in the captain's chair? Nope. No. And do they not have fire extinguishers on the starship? <laughs> <Sure, laughs> we, we were joking about that too, because at one point she's doing the like hero walk where they slow motion walk. She's walking towards the the bridge, and you get the slow motion hero walk. And uh, I, I mentioned to Xavier, why is everything on this ship just firing sparks out of it? Like what? How bad yeah, are these saying, things? Like the ceiling panels just have sparks coming, like for no re- <laughs> like yeah, I, exactly. I was just going to say that myself. Like you know, yeah. Like, is it that badly put together that that every everywhere there's, like, electrical shorts? I mean, you would think by by the time they got around, they would have figured out insulation by then, right? Also, you know? does it not just make you think, like, why doesn't everybody who works in the ship wear a helmet or a hat? Because clearly you're <laughs> at risk of getting burns on your scalp at some point. Yeah, well, it, it, and they, they mean, I don't know, when they cut away when she was singing Stormy Weather, like, the, the bridge equipment was actually in flames. Yeah. You know, so well, and we saw a huge swath of the of the hull go flying at one point too. That's true. That's true. Yeah, with the well, and also the part that where Zora wakes up and and realizes that there's and that that did you talk much about that scene where Zora kind of goes, "Hey, wait a second, you know, like like um, Hal from from two thousand one. Oh, I think that thing's gonna fail. Better alert somebody. And yeah, 
I'm you know, afraid I can't do that. Turns out to be nothing. Yeah, sorry, Dave, I can't do that. And you know, so earlier and earlier in the thing when when you know when when he discovers that there's something wrong and they go and replace the part and then they test it and there's nothing wrong with it and then he has, he says, well, I think we should put it back in and let it fail. <laughs> At which point Frank says to Dave, like you know, but the HAL nine thousand has never made a mistake before. Now what? You know, like yeah, that was the dilemma. Trial by fire in this case, As, literally. But I, but so the thing about it is, is like so this episode in that sense was very very akin to like a sixties or or even the pulp fictions from the sixties fifties and seventies or not in that order necessarily but you know what I mean like the that's the kind of way sci fi was was written it was sort of like this weird conundrum and how do you get out of it kind of deal mm-hmm. right, you know I remember when I was a kid I, I had these series of books we had to read in in school and I used to love the science fiction ones and. The uh, the idea was that you know you're a spaceman and you're on a spacewalk and you you lose you you somehow let go of the spaceship that you're connected to and you start drifting away, you know, and you've got your tool belt with you and your hammer and stuff like that and like how do you get back to the ship? How do you get back to the the thing you're at? And and the the solution was you throw your hammer away from you like like away from the ship. Yep. And that can or that inertial energy will push you will make you drift towards the ship right so those kind of little short little mental essays or exercises on physics right mm-hmm. and, and that sort of to me was this sort of you know episode like you know the the situation they're in is completely unsolvable with the equipment that they have right yeah and if it wasn't for dude remembering sonar and did that actually work for them i can't I didn't yep, quite that, catch that's that. what they ended up using to find their way out yeah right so they, they do find the hole in the, the tar wall yep okay but did they go to uh, to uh, Stephen Hawking's party? Because I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of it's a missed opportunity there. Like I said, that's time <laughs> travel, not black hole travel. But although I guess I mean, isn't the idea that theoretically a black hole bends space time? So maybe you could travel through time in a black hole. Do we know yet? We don't know. You, I mean, you know. I say we put you in charge. Yeah. Time to go write my uh, doctoral dissertation. <laughs> Why? Captain Burnham should have taken the crew to do an Hawkins party. At the end of time. Yeah. All right. We're not talking about Hawkeye this week, are we? Yeah, I guess we'll just we'll touch on it to say the Hawkeye finale was on this week. We will probably loop back on that one next week when we have uh, Jaime Lupe, Lopez Jr. to come in here and uh, and share his wit and witticisms on it. Uh, but maybe exactly. we can ask for a spoiler-free uh, thought from Xavier while he's here. Uh, was good. Much punch kick. Much punch kick. Indeed, son. Much punch kick. There was arrows. There were some really interesting arrows. There were some arrows that were too dangerous. They may have been deployed. I, I thought you would be particularly uh, excited about the label maker use in this episode. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah, the Dymo. Yeah, so I have a question. Um, and I don't know if we can... Can we talk about... What's his name? Bullpen? Kingpin? Pitbull? 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 Kingpin? Kingpin. Kingpin. Thank you. Yeah, Kingpin. Big Willie? I haven't watched watched Daredevil. Is is it a spoiler to say that he seems to have powers? Uh, He doesn't. He does not have powers. He's just huge. He's just an incredibly large human being, muscular to a point beyond most people. Which physically is impossible. He's basically the Hulk all the time. Yeah. But mobster. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and they don't really, I mean, I, uh, I will admit Xavier has seen, so I'll have some insight here, Xavier's seen Daredevil season three, I have not watched it, that's on my uh, holiday to-do list, 
but in the comic books iterations... There's only three seasons of Daredevil? Yes, yes. and they're all worth watching. Oh. Yeah. He's, uh, in the comic book version, he is supposed to be akin to sort of a sumo. He's just supposed to be this wall of muscle to the point where he's not unkillable, but damn near. Well, see, this is the thing that, like, to me, you know, I, I mean, people, human beings are pretty fragile. I mean, that's the whole concept behind super superheroes, right? Is that they're not, you know, they're either from another planet or they have, they have skills and, and survive, survival capabilities beyond normal human beings right mm-hmm. so and you know the the boys take it to the extreme where or the what's that other there's a will smith movie too where he's oh hancock hancock yeah, yeah. where you know what happened i mean what happens if you have superpowers and you go totally evil like like the like the or bad like magneto and and the gang in in the x-men series right mm-hmm. like so when 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 there's a scene where he gets shot in the chest with an arrow and he just kind of knocks it out of the way, right? Like, that doesn't hurt me kind of thing. And, you know, he, he kind of gets blowed up at one point and gets hit by a car. And all of these things don't seem to phase him. And that's why I thought to myself, I wonder if he's like um, Jessica Jones in that he can survive these kind of, you know, minor irritants that, most would, that would basically debilitate most of us, right? Mm-hmm. And my question, too, is I throw out this whole thing, and it wasn't really, as, I didn't notice as much to the last episode, but... How does Kate Bishop not just go by? Like, she gets hit by a lot of stuff. Like, she gets blown up. She gets punched by Kingpin. Like, that would probably not keep a lot of you. Like, even if you kind of put, like, the, oh, it's just just a TV show. It's all fictional. Like, she's not supposed to be, like, some sort of, like, buff, ripped, really strong. Like, she's just, like, I am good archer person, and I am capable of these, basically, like... And yet, I guess well, she is. She is supposed to be an athlete, like a Olympic caliber athlete. Okay, but like yeah, that's... But an Olympic caliber athlete that gets thrown across the room and hits a wall is still going to go like not going to be able to run in the next. Yeah, race. well, again, like when when she's fighting Yelena, like she gets like hardcore kicked in the ribs and it literally just like falls over, gets up like half a second later, keeps walking and fighting. Like that's not realistic. Even if you are in like peak physical shape, if you're a professional athlete. Well, I guess it's MMM kind of, MMM kind of skills. Cause they, they do take a pounding those guys. Oh, and still yeah. like, uh, I don't know. Well, and, and again, I, I think the idea is she's supposed to be so adrenalized too, because if she fails, Clint dies. Right. And so, you know, it's the whole lift a kid, lift a car off a kid thing. Right. You, if you know that you're, if you fail, you're going to, be responsible for a death obviously you can dig deep but again take it with a grain of salt this is a comic book come to life no, there's only going to be course, a certain measure of reality yeah okay but looking forward to the wire review next week yes, that's all i gotta say so now you've got <laughs> your you wet, you wet your appetite you can come back and, and hear a little come bit back more for the it. spockies come back for hawkeye oh and next week we're gonna have one more thing which we'll talk about on our watch list oh really oh yes all right Firefly Season 2? <laughs> Keep the dream alive. Can't stop the signal. Yeah. No power in the verse. Yeah, so... Hmm. Yeah, let's jump into the watch list. So I'm looking at this link that I put here, and I watched this at the beginning of the week, and I'm trying to remember what the heck... Oh, yes. Right. The reason why I posted this here is because, you know, we talk about the dark matter anomaly, or DMA, for those of you who are driving, transporting at home. 
and I stumbled across a BBC documentary, and there's a number of them actually. I just I watched part. I watched this one. It was on um, BBC TV last week. I just happened to be have the TV on when I was working on something else, and this came on. And they're talking about dark matter. Mm. Apparently, seventy percent of the universe is made up of dark matter. Did you know that? I did not. Uh, I did not. Yeah, so this is a real thing. It's not just something made up for a TV show on Space Channel, right? Um, so a fascinating little documentary. Unfortunately, the YouTube link here, I, don't, I couldn't find a link to it on, on uh, actual BBC, because I know the BBC has an iPlayer thing. You can watch stuff in, in the UK, or if you, maybe if you own a VPN, you could probably figure it out. But Sparkast does not condone any illegal or malicious activities. No, we don't. We don't. But so, so somebody's posted this video onto YouTube, and I guess they they played with the contrast so much that I guess that it gets past the YouTube filters. Not that we condone that of either. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> Exploiting lawyers is not in anyone's best interest at all. Anyway, I was I was going to say that that the um this the link I have here is the actual show that I did watch. It's from 2015. It's called Dancing in the Dark: The End of Physics. And it's it's fascinating because a number of really interesting scientists who are still real live people who have been discuss- who have been looking at they're like the Sheldon and the and the and the Leonards in real life, right? Um, they they kind of watch this stuff and and uh, they they check it out. Uh, they, I mean, they, this they talk about it. So definitely check out this this uh, episode if you're interested. You, know, you can watch the YouTube link, or if you can find it on BBC, I would definitely basically have um, recommend that to you. So my second pick is is I'm going to be as little spoilerish as, as I can. So I happened to I happened to be off today because I I had booked my vacation and I had to move it around and ended up being off today. And I thought to myself as I'm sitting there at home last night with nothing to do, well, nothing really important to do, that I thought, hmm, I could go see a movie. So I just fired up the the Cineplex app and looked on and no call, and checked out. no checking in with the fam, just just doing your own thing. That's fine. That's fine. Were you off today? I was not off today, but well, uh, I functioned on, it. you know. Uh, you know. Yeah, so I was actually looking at the noon o'clock show today, the 12 o'clock show, which I probably should have gone to because there were some pretty sleepy parts in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and guess what? I guess what I ended up doing. Um, because <laughs> I went to the 1045 show, which ended up ended at one thirty, right? So um, I happen to have a theater near me that, you know, I, I, I happened to look and uh, I saw on the 11, uh, 1045 show that there was, you know, a, the, my favorite row in the theater in this particular IMAX is the top row. And there was enough space between me and the, and there was enough space in between two sets of uh, seats that I could basically comfortably sit. And, and I'm fairly familiar with the theater, so I, I feel confident that I can get in and out. I mean... The parking's underneath the theater. You go up, you know, a giant escalator, and and it's like like you're not going to be exposed to people for very long, you know, if you basically get get your seat. And I got to say, the weirdest thing about it was, we, and we talked about this a little bit last week. We're we're now in sort of a higher higher threat level COVID thing where you only have fifty percent occupancy in in the entire building. Um, so there was no food or drink, yep. which was really strange. I don't think I have ever been to a movie where I did not, you know, have it a pop or something in my hand ever um yeah so that was a very strange feeling sort of sitting there in, the, in a movie theater and not munching on something right um but yeah so i went and saw matrix resurrections yesterday and uh because i just you know it's just bugging me it's like the the just i just wanted to see it right so um i highly recommend if you're going to go see this movie that you watch the 1999 matrix movie before you go 
because if you don't have it fresh in your mind, they do flash a lot of the the show, a lot of that. You know, it's obviously built on that that uh, built upon that um, original show, original movie. Um, you could watch the whole series, but the the trilogy I find partic- personally, I find it trying and 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 long and unnecessary. Um, there is one character if you have not seen the trilogy, you won't know who that person is. But it's a it's not a retelling. Like I mean, we I think we I, I don't think it's spoilerific to say that that in the Matrix we realize we find out in the, in lore that that Neo has lived a number of times and he's tried over and over and over again, like almost like a like a video game. And keeps getting reset to go and solve this particular problem, right? Um, and so that's kind of kind of where the movie starts from is is that sort of that theory. And then you know you can ask yourself questions if you watch the third movie. There's obviously one glaringly obvious question that they do address in this movie, which is really good. But um, yeah, I don't want to say too much about it. Like in terms of that, I, that's my hard recommendation: is go see that uh, really interesting uh, outro. The outro music um, from Rage Against the Machine um, is the song "Wake Up," which is one of their one of the songs I like by them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's a group a group a cover band called Brass Against, right? And they do Rage Against the Machine covers using brass instruments, <sighs> and an amazing singer. She sounds just like like is it Zach is his name? Zach, yeah. Yeah, she sounds she sounds like Zach. Like she's not quite exactly like him, but she's got the same intonation, the same attitude, and that kind of stuff. I don't know her name, unfortunately. I'll get it for next week. But yeah, if if nothing else, just I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes here to the to that track. But yeah, that's uh, the uh, movie. Obviously, ends on that because it's the same song that the original movie ends on too. Um, yeah, and and it's 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 got some really interesting twists and turns in it. It's got you know some people come from from all three. There's characters from all three movies, and and the take on they catch you up a lot on on um, as you go through the movie on lot tons tons of Easter eggs tons of stuff that in this movie if you're a Matrix fan for you there's it's it's like you know it's almost they almost become running jokes in a sense right nobody's laughing by the way it's not not meant to be funny but um, there are some pretty pretty uh, pretty pretty good callbacks for sure so that's all I'm gonna say I I am and yeah I mean I don't know I don't know that you could really see this movie in one sitting and and really get it all you know so. So you're in for a rewatch? Oh, I'm in for a rewatch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's I if I had to if I had to do a scale like in terms of in terms of movies like in terms of you know how you you can sort of say you know you can either say New Hope or you can say uh, Empire as one and two or one interchangeably, and then you go through the other movies and you know like Phantom Menace obviously or Rock of the Crack of the Clones is probably at the very bottom of the base there, right? Oh yeah, this I would put this as number two in the Matrix. Quad, quadrilogy? Quad, what do you call it? It's quadro- quadrology, theoretically, if there's four of them. Quadrology. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's five, actually. The, 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 the Animatrix, right? yeah. The Animatrix, right? Yeah. I would, I would put this as number two, easily. Yeah. It, it's it's actually pretty pretty interesting. Like, you could you could, it, you could could watch this on its own um, if you had never seen any Matrix. I think you could watch this and, and still sort of get, you know, the down-the-rabbit-hole kind of kind of deal, right? So Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm definitely curious to watch that one. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I guess that's my question. My follow-up question for you is, so you've gone to the theater. We talked last week about people using their own discretion. You obviously, you know, you looked at the circumstances. You made the call. Did you feel more or less safe? And, and yeah, we should say, for the record, sa- you are also boosted. So you, you had your, your third triple shot, boosted, your, your yeah. triple, well, that, triple that, Apparently with, um, with like, I, it's funny. I can, Let me just say this. Like, you know, I keep hearing about people with, 
who are triple triple vaxxed getting Omicron, and and I I responded to a tweet today on Twitter, and I and I just want to put it out there for people. Because it seems to be that I, I I get the sense that people think that getting vaccinated is like getting a force field. Yeah. And my analogy is no, it's like getting a seatbelt. Yeah. You're going to get in a car crash, but you're less likely to go through the windshield. Is the difference? But you also right. have to so, still. That means you still have to stop at the lights and take a look both ways, and yeah, not just I'm, go so into like the world blind. If you're in an if you're in an accident at 70 miles an hour wearing a seatbelt, you're gonna end up in the hospital. Right, but if you're in an accident that and you end up, and you don't wear a seatbelt and you're going to end up going through the windshield, you're not going to go to the hospital. You're going to mm-hmm. go to the morgue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And we proved that through the '50s, '60s, and '70s. You know, so if you, you really want to, you know, go and check the science on that. <laughs> yeah, have a look. Yeah, yeah. So from that point of view, though, John, like I said, like I know, I know that, like it's me in my car. I go to the place. I I get in the, I, you know, get close, park close to the door. The doors are all open. You walk in. There's no touching doorknobs and stuff like that. You show your passport at the beginning, like your fax passport. You know, you, you basically once you get there, you show. You basically you interact with like you within proximity of other people, only to show your ticket and your and your vaccine information, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then since there's no food, you know, nobody's eating. Um, you know, and and you're and where I was sitting, I'm far enough away from from the rest of the matting crowd, as it were, and it's a large enough space. I mean, like it's almost it's practically outdoors in terms of how big the room is, right? So, yeah, I felt safe. Cool. I didn't like wearing my mask the entire time, but I felt safe. Yeah, and again, that's where I mean, I know uh, I, I didn't see the runtime on Matrix, but I know the new Spider-Man movie is long, so it it uh, you know. Not being able to wet your whistle and not being able to uh, oh, you know, have a snack would be a little bit what, what, what odd. But... And not needing to pee, though, in the middle of the movie. That was really, that was a oh, bonus. Like, like, honestly, I just, I don't know. I've, like, there's not enough. It's, it's a weird combination, because obviously when you go to the movies, you get a certain amount of drink to offset the popcorn, because the popcorn's salty, you got to have something to drink. But the problem is if you get too much drink, then either you drink it all, and, you know, you, you, your mouth is nice and comfortable, whatever, but then you need to go to the bathroom halfway through, which is, just does not work. Or you don't go drink enough, at which point, or, you know, it leaves them over, at which point you have some left at the end, which, which point it's warm and awful and you don't want it. And you might not have enough to satisfy the popcorn you've had, but then at least you don't have to go to the bathroom. And it's like, what if you're eating different food? Like, again, like, it's hard. It's a hard debate. So at least not having to think about that, you just, you go in and just sort of sit there and your mouth stays sort of neutral. Like, I just... But again, I don't think I could go for like three hours without drinking water. That sounds pretty awful. I don't know. Yeah, but coming back to this, yeah, this is two and a half hours long, or two and a little bit over two hours. But the the reality is, is that you know, there it's not like a Marvel movie. There's not like a break in the middle where you can go have a pee. Like, yeah, there isn't. Yeah, you know, not this one. There's there's a lot. Like, the reason why I want to go back and watch again because you know, obviously there are there are nuances that I missed. Like you know, um, yeah. I'm not going to say any more than that, but there, there are, there are a lot of details. It, <laughs> the one thing that's funny though, I, I, I was thinking about this as I was watching the movie or watching, you know, watching some of the stuff is like, is it just me or does the real world seem like the fantasy part? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something as sort of hyper realistic and possibly plausible like the matrix kind of hits you hard when you're in the perpetual groundhog's day that is 2021 2020 2021 yeah. and probably 2022 
Yeah. No, I, I didn't mean that. I don't mean I didn't mean that. I mean like in the movie, in the context of the movie, like the actual in the movie part, right? You know, like originally the part was shot in the late late nineties, so it made sense there. There were some like I mentioned last week, there's some technology that was like already out out of date in the Matrix, right? But in the nineteen ninety nine version. But in this one too, like when they get into the real world and you see, you know, the the what do you call those skitters or whatever and, and the the, you know, the floating hovercraft shippy things and yeah. You know, that's that, you know, it's sort of modern, you know, it's like 100 years, 200 years in the future kind of deal, right? This one takes place, because I think the, the Matrix takes place 100 years in the future, right? And then this one is another 80 or so years and more. So, yeah, it's for almost 200 years in the future from where we are today. So, hmm. so I guess it's plausible that, you know, everybody drives electric cars and stuff like that, you know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about in the real world. Yeah, when, yeah, When yeah. they've woken up, yeah. right? So, yeah. Yeah. You don't have those cool uh, little pop-up phones that they had in the first one? No. No. Scandalous. I'm going to talk about that. I'm not going to spoil it. All right. Good. Don't spoil it. All right. Uh, I've got a couple things for the watch list. So the first thing I have is Slugfest. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying I cannot figure out where this is airing in Canada, but I do have a link in here to the trailer that you can watch. If you are one of our listeners uh, in the United States or elsewhere, you can probably find it. Uh, it is supposed to be, it was supposed to originally air on Quibi. For those of you who are mourning the long loss of, of Quibi, it is now, I think, airing on Roku. And so if you have a Roku, you can watch it there. The premise of Slugfest is, is basically a look at the long-running feud, for lack of a better term, between DC Comics and Marvel Comics. The fact that, you know, they were the sort of battle of the titans, their characters versus our characters, who would win in a fight, Hulk and Superman, all of that is being examined in this docuseries exploring the sort of evolution of the, the comic book wars and where they've gone and, and this whole thing. And it's actually, it's, um, it is hosted by Kevin Smith. So I heard him speak about it the other day on one of his podcasts. It sounded really interesting. I checked out the trailer. It actually looks really cool. I do not know where it's going to air here in Canada, but I'm hoping that we can find it somewhere because it does look really quite interesting. And, and obviously as a longtime comic reader and comic fan, uh, you know, I lived through those things. There were people who were like very, very, very ardently in one camp or the other. Like they would, oh, I'd never read that stupid trash and vice versa to the to the other ones. People were really entrenched for, for a long time back when I was a, a you know, kid and a teenager, particularly back, you know, into the, into the 80s and, and 90s. People were really in these camps of like, oh, my characters are better than your characters. My character can be your character. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting that somebody's finally going to sort of take a look at that, that long, you know, I mean, this is a feud that went on for, you know, 50 years. I think we can all declare Marvel the winner now, but still, it, it is a it is always a, a topic of discussion. So yeah, it looks really cool. I, I recommend checking out the trailer, and if you're in the states, you should check it out. If you have Roku, check it out, and hopefully we'll find out. If I get information, I'll mention it here on the pod. We can see if we can find it here for our Canadian listeners. Uh, the other thing that I had here is what I was alluding to earlier about the other thing we'll have to talk about next week, which is Book of Boba Fett is coming to Disney Plus on the 29th. So we are done our season of Hawkeye, but we have but seven days from that to be able to go ahead and uh, watch the next live action Star Wars series focusing on everybody's favorite uh, masked Mandalorian bounty hunter. And... 
Yeah, it looks, I mean, then they dropped another trailer. There's been a whole bunch of preview stuff uh, popping up. It looks amazing. I'm dying to see what they do with this. And it'll be, uh, yeah, just just in the just on the cusp of making it here in, in uh, 2021. So we can all check that out. And I think uh, we'll probably have a little little chat about that on next week's episode. Xavier, do you want to talk about so, the, uh, so your pick? Is this, okay, is this something that I can... Like, I don't know, like, it says, obviously, there's a new Grand Tour thing. Is that off topic? Like, I know you guys talk about, like, Big Mouth and stuff like that. Is that... Oh, I think as a work as a work of fiction, I'd say you can go ahead and bring that in, because it, it's it's definitely fits... Uh, I talk about the Beatles on no, Get Back right, and stuff like that. It's yeah. It's invisible. Okay. It's just, okay. It is definitely a work of fantasy at times, having having watched it. Yeah, but you can go ahead. Yeah. Let's, oh, let's share, share, your, share your pick. All right. So, my pick for this week is uh, it's a new special from the Grand Tour. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson, James May, Richard Hammond, the original three from Top Gear. Um, a new special, Carnage à Toi, um, basically just making fun of France for an hour or whatever, but uh, it's it's absolutely hilarious. They catapult a car across to, to France, they blow up <laughs> a lot of things, they roll some cars down hills, it's classic hilarity. Uh, I had a blast watching it. I definitely recommend it if you're a fan of Top Gear, or The Grand Tour, any of those three. Um, just cars in general, France. Like, yeah. Oh, I don't know if you want to watch it if you're a fan no, of France. They, yeah, do, they do take they yeah. do take a lot of uh, liberties. Uh, the uh, the parking <laughs> scene, <Thank God. laughs> the particularly a memorable scene where at one point Richard Hammond in a uh, in a compact car shows you how to park properly in France, which involves ramming the other cars out of the way until you make yourself a space. This is just how you park in France. And then they take. They decide to go and take their uh, their regular cars for a, a climb up one of the Welsh mountainsides. Oh, yes. Very funny. Yeah, they uh, they definitely always have a good time. It's nice that they're still doing those shows amidst the pandemic. Yeah, and again, especially considering they're getting old. Yeah, and again, there's a couple. You know, there's a couple of callbacks to previous things they've done from you know Grand Tour and Top Gear. You know, it's it's good. It's good. It's good. Definitely recommend it. Where can they find that? Uh, well, it's streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, I think everywhere. It's, it's an Amazon production, so I don't believe it's anywhere else. So Amazon Prime Video. That's true. That's true. All right, I have one more thing before we go. I keep forgetting about this. So um, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago called Center Seat, um, probably four weeks ago when I first saw it. And it was the first episode was about how Lucille Ball's Lucy Desilu uh, saved um, Star Trek from the bin. Um, cause she paid for the, the show, but I, I happened to watch last week's episode. Um, I forgot to, it was, it's narrated by Gates McFadden. Uh, last week's show was really interesting because it was about the next generation. And, um, so, and, and I know a lot of people, especially on this podcast are fans of that show and interesting to, to sort of hear from the, from the insiders, the cast about, um, how, you know, Wesley hated the sweaters he had to wear, or sorry, not Wesley, but, uh, the actor playing, <laughs> Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. He um he hated wearing those sweaters and and uh, he at one point he said he got this this unitard that that had to wear a muscle suit underneath it and uh, yeah it was and then of course they talked about the tunic the the, the one piece or the lighter one piece that they had and and all the all the um, how it made them all hunch over when they sat down and um Jean and. Uh, Patrick Stewart started the thing with the Picard maneuver, which is the the pulling the shirt back down when you sit. Yeah, when they went to uh, the two started that. 
Yeah, then they went to the two-piece, but he, he continued to do that same thing, right? So that became the Picard, known as Picard Maneuver when you sit down and you straighten your, your tunic, That's not right? when you palm your face? Is you... Uh, no? Not the face no, palm? that's that's called a face oh, palm. Okay. Um, but, yeah. So, but really interesting. And also, also Gate, Gate McFadden talks about how, how and why she left the show and how she came back. And then as well, um, uh, Maria Mulder talks Diana, about how Diana. she... Diana, we talked about this. Diana, Diana Mulder. Mulder. Right, yes. the, the other one's a singer. Well, the other one's a singer. Like, you, these, these things burned into your head. You, you just, <laughs> you can't get away from it. Bill Gates, Gates McFadden, whatever. Diana Mulder uh, talks about how she, you know, played Dr. Baranski, Jerlinski, whatever. And how it was modeled after after uh, McCoy, and then she said, you know, she talked about the fact that she was happy to leave the show at the end of it. But it, on all the sort of like, you know, who who were the people behind the show, writing the show, and that kind of stuff, and and how they got involved. And um, at one point, like Gene uh, Roddenberry's lawyer was one of the writers on the show. Like all the sort of weird maneuvers that they made, and the writer strike in the middle of the production, and all that kind of stuff. So, really fascinating show. This week is about, um, the week coming up, next week is about Q. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one that I want to go back and watch from tonight, which is, I, I just uh, PBR while we're doing this show today, is about Star Trek going to the movies, so all the movies that they made. Uh, so, fascinating. If you're, if you're into Star Trek and you want to hear from the horse's mouth, as it were, the, the stories behind the show, it's really fascinating to see and hear. Like, apparently, if they hadn't booked two years' worth of Star Trek from the get-go, they probably would have got canceled in the first year. It was that bad. Huh. Right? They even they even addressed the, uh, what was this, the third episode where they have the... the the donk that it's like a donkey of love or something like that, and 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 Tashi R has to fight another woman. Yes, you know. Oh that? yes, yes. That, that was they talk, pretty terrible. There's some terrible first first season episodes. Yeah, and the, all the crew sort of says like, "I can't believe we're they're asking us to do this, and we can't believe that this show is still on the air after this episode." Right? Uh, that's funny. And then what's the other one they t- they addressed? Oh, uh, oh, and the, and the the tar pit thing where where Denise Crosby decides that she wants to leave the show because she. She said, can you not just get a cardboard cutout of my legs and put them behind Patrick Stewart's chair? Because, like, why am I here? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's all you ever see of me, right? Um, anyway, so uh, that's why she decided to leave the show. And, and, and you know, then, then they go into why Gates McFadden left the show as well. But uh, And also the, the you know, the, the Star Trek Next Generation would have failed the Bechtel test because, you know, they never had, they rarely ever had the women in any more than one woman in in any scene in the first series right or first couple of seasons right they talk about that as well so it's interesting interesting um sort of exploration in star trek it's called the center seat i keep thinking captain's chair but it's not the center seat so check that out yeah i saw that right, like uh, I said, come up on my crave listing it looked uh it's it's I guess it must be airing on CTV Sci-Fi, or is it just on Crave? Yeah, it's on it's on CTV, CTV Sci-Fi, and and actually, I just noticed uh, as I was looking this up while while you guys were doing your thing that CTV has a, an iPad app, and I can log in there and watch Discovery and anything else that's on on CTV as well, including all the space stuff, right? Nice. Including this this show, Center Seat. All right, so. I guess that's it for another week. So, Jonathan, if people can get in touch with you, how can they find you? Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. And Xavier, if people want to get in touch with you, where do they find uh, you? You can find me on Twitter as Xman underscore 1664. All right. And my name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, and the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. This is John Luke Picard. Shut up, Wesley. Sorry, say again. 
just the tag. Gotcha. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash Spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> How's that work coming on the supercut? Uh, oh, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing uh, it. I, 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 I went back and found the first one. The finding. The I first know one the first one, one made you laugh. You put it up on our Slack channel. That made me laugh really loud. It's like, but it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. And, like, uh, like we've got a, some guy look, here. His name is Jaime Lopez. How's it going? Like, yeah, it's, it's just the same. Like right from the get go. Yeah, yeah. The sultry tones. He found his groove early. Yeah, I think I think he he probably he probably had that one ready. He probably had it in the can. Yeah, he's he's that's his that's his sign his sign on right. So yeah, that's how you know it's him. I'm sure you can probably uh, you know fool his Google Home into letting you in by saying how. So if you, say, if you say howdy at the start, do you say <laughs> goodbye at the end? Howdy, howdy? goodbye. No? no, no, just goodbye. Why why would you I don't say? know? What's the <laughs> what's the goodbye version of howdy? When I was younger, about your age, I used to say "see you later" all the time. "See you later." That's why I never say goodbye. I see you later. I always like that. I I think the most beautiful way to say goodbye is the French "au revoir" until I see you again. Au revoir. That's such a beautiful sentiment. Au revoir until, until I see you again. Me. Yeah, I just think that's mm. so much nicer than like goodbye. Well, maybe we should start saying "au revoir" on the show. Then. Oh well, you know, I think we've done enough damage to the French language for one season. Enjoy the next twenty-four hours. We even we even did today. <laughs> Carnage à toi. Carnage à toi. Do they say it that way on the show? Uh, they they do do some stereotyping in there, but their French is uh, ce n'est pas bon. Mm. C'est très stupide. Mm. All right. Are we doing it again? <laughs> yeah, we might, we might go down <laughs> that road again. Bon voyage. We're going to get blocked in, in Quebec <laughs> if we keep it up. Yeah, there goes our French listener. Mm-hmm. All one of them. Yep. Just out of curiosity, how many of our listeners are French or do speak French at all? How many of our, French, our listeners oh, speak a language other than English? Feel free to let us know. Message us. Uh, hashtag AskPodcast. Well, we do. We do have. We have some statistics. Statistics that we get from um, from this. Let's see. So our listeners, we have mm, unique. Lift, we have approximately forty-five, which we've gone down since since we started. Um, but I can tell you that. Like, the majority of our audience is the United States, duh. And then Canadian, Australian, yeah, we have some German listeners. Uh, probably the probably the Kulang connection, I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then, then we have less and less and less and less. We have some Chinese listeners, some Singapore, Philippines, Taiwan. Maybe they're just here for the Star Trek, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But not very many. Like, le- less, like not enough. Oh, actually, you can click on the link here and find out where they... We have some. Uh, we have somebody in Len- Leinster in Ireland and Munster in Connaught. Oh, hmm. 
Let's see. Were you looking? I have nothing in France or over here. Interesting. Oh, if I hit Canada, maybe I can get Quebec. Let's see. Oh, we have 4% of our audiences in Quebec. That is one person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then we apologize for our damage to the language. And if you happen to be an Anglophone living there, it's probably for the best. Well, we have so we have less than one percent of people in the in New Brunswick. That's probably Jen, right? So, and she's bilingual. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but does she actually listen to the show, or she just wanted the T-shirt? Uh, I don't know. Do you remember Zave, uh, Chloe, and I know they have listened to episodes. I don't know if they're regular. Yeah, I don't listeners. know. I guess we could follow up mm. on that. But yeah, always need mm. more listeners. They just wanted that that sweet podcast. Free, free merch is always the best. I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That being said, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to mention this. So I, I uh, when Xavier is there, is there chip swag? Is there chip swag? There's no chip swag right now, unfortunately. You're 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 probably on it. We should probably have some by now. But I want. Oh, um, no, I want. I want Alex as like a chipmunk, like Photoshop done with chipmunk on a t-shirt. I would totally <laughs> buy that. I I will get to work on that right oh, away. Yes. Our host Alex would make an excellent chipmunk. Um. I, well, Xavier was getting ready to start his new job. We went out and did some shopping, and he was in the change room at the the store trying on some new clothes. Looking and schnazzy. as he came out, yeah, looking schnazzy. As he came out to show me uh, a pair of pants he tried on, he was wearing just uh, his Spotcast T-shirt on the top, and another guy was standing there waiting to to go and try out something in the change room. And he started to say something to Xavier, but Xavier had just ducked into the change room. And he was like, Oh, that, uh, that's, I want to ask that guy about his like Star Trek shirt. Uh, is he, is he like, uh, and I said, Oh yeah, actually that's, that's the podcast that, uh, that I, that we work on weekly. And he's like, Oh, I have a Star Trek podcast too. I've always wanted to meet another Star Trek podcaster. So I uh, and what's the name of his show? The name of his show is called Yelling About Star Trek, and the young man's name <laughs> is Chris Fox. And uh, you can find him in the same places you find our podcast. Uh, he will have a link in the show notes. He definitely. Uh, I've listened to a couple episodes so far. I must admit, uh, I haven't listened to all of it. But he basically said, you know, his family was sick of him talking about Star Trek because they don't get it, and so he decided to start doing his own podcast. So he's got about. Uh, th- I think he just put his thirty ninth episode up this month, and uh, he just does it does it solo, and talks about all kinds of different sort of perspectives on Star Trek and how it fits into pop culture and how it fits into different things, why why things are his favorites and what works and stuff. But yeah, it's nice to meet another Trek Potter. And uh, yeah, if, you, if you're if you dying for more Star Trek content, check out Chris Fox's Yelling About Star Trek. Nice. And if people would like to purchase uh, Star Trek holo- uh, sorry, not Sp- uh, Spotcast Hollow stickers, where can they find those? <laughs> Uh, they're not oh, for sale, okay. but you Never can mind. just let us know. We'll, we'll, we will, no, no, we, we will we, personally we mail them to you if you really want to rep us. The number one fan can autograph one if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> just a big can red they get a game X on jersey? The... Can they get can they get the shirt you were wearing in the change room? Signed? I mean, it's got, it's actually it, it. You can tell it's mine because it's got a tear on the back of it, like for where the dog tried oh. to, to yeah, one it. of the yeah. dogs. Yeah, one of the one dogs. Is it the, the, the blue one or the green one? No, it's the blue one. The green Fair one, way. the green one is truly one of a kind. It's the only one in that color. It is. Yeah. It was. It was custom made. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was gonna say. Uh, what was I gonna say? Uh. Yeah. You can get to podcast stuff. We'll have a link in the link in the show notes. But if you head over to our um, MTJC slash Teespring page, you can get yourself some podcast swag as well. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post uh, new episodes of the podcast for you to listen to, which don't. May, may or may not have 
additional video content? Question mark. Uh, there's there's a video one video episode of the. All right. Well, that. there you go. Yeah. Oh, we could have done a video episode this week because Jaime's on the show. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Hmm. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, folks. We. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we uh, got a natural born seller here. This this kid's going places. He's good. He's good at remembering. Well, it's all that. It's all that uh, fine, fine Censored. name redacted oh, yes. training. That's right? right. That's right. Plug in the merch. And where can people go for all their toilet needs, Xavier? Uh, I don't think I'm allowed to legally <laughs> disclose that. You can go to wherever your toilets are found near you. Visit your local toilet mart. <laughs> yes. Nice. How much do you want to bet there's an actual store called Toilet Mart somewhere? I said. He said his three people all started googling Toilet Mart. I'm, I'm, I was totally, I'm actually, oh, you know, I'm just going to do it right now. Toilet Mark. Toilet Mark. Mm, nope. Plumbing Mark. Faucet oh. Mark. There's a... Well, if you decide to go on your own, go, like, if you learn so much that you have to go independent, you've got your name picked out already. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about other places that sell toilets <laughs> now that you're gainfully employed by na- Name Redacted. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about the fact that I'm gainfully employed by Name Redacted. I mean, I guess... Uh, yeah, I don't think yeah. it matters. Oh. Just, just bleep it out when it comes in. It's going to make it sound like he works somewhere uh, untoward. Is <laughs> <laughs> that uh, for the government to bleep? <laughs> hey, Xavier, say, say as plain and monotone as you can, Name Disclosed. Name Disclosed. Is that what I should say? No, not name disclosed or na- name redacted. How yeah. about redacted? Name redacted. Name redacted. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I was just gonna have them like t- ever since sometimes someone sends me text, just boop, name redacted. Yep. Name redacted. Yeah. <laughs> I used to put little bleepy noises in in the podcast, but my other co-host used to used to complain <laughs> about that, right? Well, wow. like Tammy used to have like a clink clonk noise that she whenever she whenever she transitioned from one like. If she did like a rough edit from one place to another, she'd just do clink clonk, and then you knew that it was the thread was changing, right? Mm-hmm. And I never bothered with that. I just let people just hang on, folks. It's a free flowing conversation. That's what we do here. Yeah, pretty much. It is pretty much. It's a lot easier to edit than than the other show. The other one's very technical, so we we tend up having to correct ourselves. And oh, I think that means Mac wants the show to end. Most, yeah, pretty sure. Can you hear that? Indeed. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't often howl, but that was a howl. So if there's like uh, three seats to any particular showing of something, you let us know. Oh, okay. I can I can do that. Like which theater though? I mean, because don't forget I'm transportationally challenged. Wherever there's the least people, oh. I would say that's my sort of criteria. As long as I'm like farthest away from other people, I probably would uh, consider. Well, it. I mean, like so the rows in the 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 rows in the IMAX at um, uh, Scotia are are easily like you know they're they're a good three four feet away from the like they're not as they're tighter in the theaters you guys go to yeah right and but then there's more rows so you can get more like road distance too so it's yeah I guess yeah I guess like when I when I looked at twelve o'clock today like I should probably should have gone to twelve o'clock today considering I nodded off a couple of important scenes but because you know when they were like the slow scenes are when they explain everything right Mm -hmm. Um, because there's a scene with Jada Pinkett Smith where she goes on to like some big explanation. But, <gasps> spoilers. Know. Yeah. You didn't know she was uh, in the movie? Uh, just spoiler. People explain things in the movie. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know. I was, it was a joke. How dare they? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, like there, there is some, uh, what do you call it? What, what do you call it? Projected? Is it projecting scenes where or, there's, there's stuff that's early on and you're like, you know. Oh yeah. Where they, for, uh, if they, Forecasting. Yeah, what do you call it? 
drawing a blank. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know, I know, you I know, know. the thing that the there's enough of those threads telegraphing. in there. Telegraphing, yeah. There's there's a couple of tell. I mean, if you look in the, if you look in the um the trailer, there's some telegraphing in there, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. foreshadowing. Uh, yeah, it, foreshadowing. It, there's some interesting interesting sort of twists on 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 it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But if if you if you can, I mean, take a minute and watch the original movie first. Uh, yeah. I've seen it already. Uh, I'd be happy to watch it again. You know, it's again. seared into my brain. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I would say so too. But I found I found it like you know when I when I, I, I like I said last week, I used I watch it when it's on, right? And but I never actually sat down and watched it from end to end, you know. But having f- forced to see it in the IMAX, you you know you can't really go anywhere or pause or put it on fast forward or go go grab a snack or whatever, you know. Mm. Um, so I sat there and absorbed it all, and then because it was big, giant in my face, you know, I I caught a lot of a lot more detail than than I normally do when I just you know scanning Which is it on why TV. Which is why I recommend right? people so. buy bigger TVs. Wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge. Yeah, my TV's big. I don't sit as far away from my TV as you guys do. Okay, but you're sitting closer huh? to it. Both of both of yeah. your TVs are too small. Seriously. No. Yeah, no. there's only uh, no, there's only six six seats sold so far for the uh, for the 3D showing at 11 a.m. tomorrow morning of uh, Spider-Man at the uh, theater next to Square One. I don't want to see it in 3D though. I'm over 3D. It's annoying, and it's also it's like I don't really want things on my face. It's like eh, like eh. All right, but I'm actually sort of yeah, sold but it. it's annoying when they when they obviously see they film something in 3D and you know yeah, and and you're not looking at right at it. So what Spider-Man you said? Yeah, I'm just taking Bad a quick look through the Cineplex app to see if any Bad of those have like Bad man. good Bad um man. seat Bad emptiness. Bad man. Bad man. I don't know what the car availability will be tomorrow. I... Car losses. Bad man. Show, oh, show more theaters. I got to do that. So Your dog sounds very unhappy. Yeah, I got to go check it. Oh, Cinemax. Oh, it's that was way down at the bottom. Yeah. So sorry, just to be clear. It's in IMAX. You saw... John. Yeah, but it, there's tons of seats sold already. That's the problem. I don't want to go to a crowded IMAX theater. I want to oh, go to yeah, like something where yeah. I've got a little bit of a bubble. Oh yeah, no, no. I I had distance between me and the people next yeah, to me. Yeah, that's that's that that's my criteria. That's sort of where I'm at again. I, I'm I'm a little leery about going to the movies in the first place, but I I need some space. I I don't think I could handle being in sitting two hour two hours in a movie theater with people who pull their face masks down and whatever. Uh, no, 11.45, I think it was. Um, 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Yeah, 3D yeah, like, at 11. Really, like, yeah, there's like, yeah, there's like nobody, nobody sitting there. And 2.30. My favorite story was when I bought a Zappa, like a Zappa box set from, and I got it from the States, actually. And um, I called um, I called Amazon because back then you didn't even, you couldn't even, you couldn't return online, so I called them, and the woman said, "Oh, like one of the songs, one of the, the songs I really wanted was skipping on the CD, right?" Mm. And uh, so she said, um, "And I tried it in different players and did the same thing, right?" So she said, "Well, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll, sorry, we'll we'll send you another one right away," and and they did. And then she said, uh, "But you know, just just hang on to that one. Just don't, you know, it's going to be too much hassle to send it back." <laughs> yeah, I've done that before too. With it, if it's something small like a book or whatever, and I've actually heard yeah. people. I'm on a few different forums on uh, online for yeah. like collectors and stuff like that. They've had you know Indigo yeah. and and Amazon and that basically say like, you may as well just keep the book or do whatever you want with it because you know, especially for those like omnibus books and stuff like that. Like, it's going to cost them more in return delivery than it's worth to show the scratch well, on what- it. Yeah, and then what they do though is is they just put them in a skid and sell sell the skid. Yeah, right? remainders, so, right? Yeah, like I bought that the drum set I bought last year. 
um, it, it, one of the, one of the drums didn't work. Obviously it was returned for a reason and, and some guy bought it and he's like, Oh, I didn't know it was used. And like, like fuck, you didn't know it was used. <laughs> you know, he runs a business out of his, out of his like house. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, like that. We'll see you guys Happy next holidays, time. Happy holidays, this podcast. Hope you all have a merry, merry <laughs> oh. Christmas if that's something you do. And if you don't, then Happy New Year eventually. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Say that. I guess so are, we, are we doing a, a December 31st Christmas, uh, New Year's Eve podcast? Yes. Is that? Oh, no, right. it's, that's the, no, it's no, the day it's before. It's it's the this is the 24th. Um, what do you mean we? <laughs> um, Listen, Jaime Jr. Ciao. All right. See ya. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.